Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. For the Basque Country, big one for the Schengen area as you pass without having to present your passport uh, from Spain into France, although technically, well, no, technically it is Spain into France, although, you know, emotionally, historically, and culturally, it's Basque country to Basque country. And the rider who uh, took, had the honor of passing over the virtually non-existent border was none other than Laurent Pichon uh, from the Breton Arkea Samsic team, who hails from the wonderful citadel town, uh, right up in Finisterre in the top left-hand corner of the country of Compère, a place we've been to many times, haven't we, David? Uh, yes, we have, Ned. That was David's early contribution to this edition of the podcast. Uh, 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 Cadell, have you ever been to Compère? No idea. Where, where is that? Cadell. Top left-hand corner, correct? Top left-hand corner. Cadell Evans, uh, compelled guest on the Australia's <laughs> Bar from... Hostage. Where from? Car hostage. Hostage, hostage guest. Hostage <laughs> podcast guest. Um, no, uh, tell me more about it. Has the Tour de France passed through there? Oh, many, many times. Hosted oh, many well, a finish. Well, I'm, I'm almost compelled to then. speak or interrupt who, now. Who actually. Yeah, well, I might <laughs> Oh, God, I don't know who's won a stage there, but Compare is one of those places in Brittany that if the race doesn't finish there, it often passes through there. In fact, I would hazard a guess, found a guess, hazard a guess, founded on absolutely nothing. And it's probably incorrect that your Mur de Bretagne victory might well have started in Compare. It's one of them sort of places. Iconic. Anyway, Laurent Pichon was born there, bred there. Comes from Finisterre, which of course means the end of the earth. Born and bred. Born and bred. Mm-hmm. Why did you repeat that? Oh, did I not have Pete, this conversation with you? Pete, you're born and bred from the Isle of Man. You're born and bred in the Isle of Man. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I didn't understand that intervention. Um, born and bred. Like, you, you're born and, and you're bred there. Bred there yeah. B-R-E-D. E-D, Pete. I think Pete knows that, David. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, because there's always this thing with um, cycling journalists, indeed, you know, commentators just generally, is that if they're not entirely sure about a rider that they don't know terribly well, they look up on pro cycling stats, uh, their vital statistics, and it'll say something like, and they're from Compare. And you say, he's from Compare. But that, that's ridiculous, isn't it? Because that would be like, I'd, I'd be from Andover, because I happen to be born there. And I'd not, be from Malta. Where would you be from, Pete? I was born and bred on the Isle of so Man. So you're like Laurent Pichon. <laughs> yeah. You are properly Laurent. Cadell, where were you born? Catherine in the Northern Territory. I've wow. Been Northern back Territory? Once. That's yes, the so middle of nowhere, no? Um, where I would live was a li- just a little bit north of the middle of nowhere, actually. Nice. Um, I lived in an Aboriginal settlement, which um, my mother went and revisited a few years ago. I haven't been back, but as a white person, it's an Aboriginal settlement. As a white person, you need a permit just to get into the town. That's amazing. It's, yeah, yeah, like, huh. there was, like, I think eight white people in the town. But I moved away when I was three years old, hence why it was, oh, well, I was born in Catherine. That bred, born in Red Point does not apply to me. Yeah, you'd be, like, more like me, born in Andover, and David, born in Malta. But that's amazing, Cadell. How did you, I mean, I don't want to pry, but it's genuinely fascinating what you just said. So how did your family end up? 
there? Um, um, yeah, I think my um, mother and father were, went up there to look for work and a bit of an adventure, and then somehow I came along. Well, you know, birds and bees, I came along. Yeah, um, that bit. Yeah. Unexpectedly, I think. Um, and um, and they were up there working, and yeah, then I appeared. Um, then yeah, we, we moved around Australia a lot, hence why I can, uh, you know, home for me is a little bit. Where's my passport? Oh, it's, in the, it's in my backpack in the back of the car. That's where home is. <laughs> Who knew when that little Cadell Evans was born in that Aboriginal settlement that it was a Tour de France winner? That's mad. That is genuinely nuts, Cadell. Yeah. Didn't know that at all. Is that well known or have we just broken news in the cycling world? No, no, it's quite well known. Oh, okay. um, I'll, I'll, I'll even um, look it up on the. I'll Google it for you only because it's funny. Um, Cadell Evans is currently Googling We'll come back to that, Cadell. Carry on, Ned, about the stage. Uh, Not on Pichon, then. He was in the breakaway, and and he was there with Nielsen Paulus, who was wearing the polka dot jersey, and went off in pursuit of, um, I don't know, half a dozen points, if not more, about eight points or something like that, off the top of my head. Once he'd got his points, on the outskirts of San Sebastian, because the race started a long way west of San Sebastian and retraced some of the, the coastline, hit San Sebastian with about 80 kilometers to go. Nielsen Paulus said, I've had enough now. Fist bumped Laurent Pichon, who, who'd already been instructed by the RKS Samsic team car to go for the combativité, because it was all that remained for him, really. Bit of a bromance, wasn't it, going on between them two? They were having a time of their lives. Great time. Yeah, it was good to see, actually. It was nice, wasn't it? It was really nice. Ned, intermediate sprint. Uh, yeah, I'm just being, to- I'm just, yes, what, the intermediate sprint? There's a lot going on here, David. I've just been handed. Lafay. Yes, Lafay. Cadell, I'll come back to your amazing heritage in a second, if I may. Um, Victor Lafay then. So two riders up the road, an intermediate sprint, 20 points for the first rider, 17 for the second rider. They are going to take the first two places. 15 points available for the third place rider over the line at the um, intermediate sprint. Around about eight kilometers from the intermediate sprint. Old Victor Lafay, our favorite rider in the Tour de France now, just goes, well, I'm having those. Chins off the front, no reaction from the peloton, in the green jersey, well, the dark green jersey, whatever we want to call it, um, and uh, s- sweeps up to the 15 points, and I thought that was great. And now he's still panache. in the green jersey. Panache, no, that's real panache. We haven't seen panache for, since, well, Alaphilippe was going great. Yeah, um, panache. And he keeps the green jersey, the dark grey, grey, very D- dark green, yeah. almost grey. Forest green. It's, uh, I don't like it. Okay. And, um, on equal points, though, to Philipson, correct? Um, ooh, is that right? Uh, you might be right. I, I might have accidentally been looking at the screen when that was showed. I yeah, know, no, that, that, to go on to the highlights, so. I think that, I think that might well be correct. I mean, in the, in the, in the midst of everything that was going on at the finish line, I couldn't really be calibrating those sort of calculations, but, uh, yeah, you might be right. So, but that, but that's, I mean, even if that's the case, so he still remains in green, doesn't he? Cause it goes to GC countback. Uh, no. Uh, or because it, I don't know, they both won a stage, yeah. Must be GC countbacks, they both won a stage. Yeah, guess so. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> that was the situation. And then I'm, I'm just really struggling with the sound levels that you would have been listening to. Um, uh, I was loving David's direct. Anyway, he was almost like the director of the pod there. It was quite good. It was like, Ned, Victor Le Fay. And then it was like, Panache. <laughs> 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 Yeah. Um, I'm just going to pause for a second. Hold yeah. on. Sorry, we had a bit of technical issues there. I, actually, I'm probably not going to be bothered to edit that bit out. 
Um, my microphone, as you can hear, keeps cutting in and out. Um, but yeah, anyway, so so there was old, the old boy Pichon, but eventually he got caught. So Lefay doing his little thing and then dropped back, picked up those 15 points, which gave him a chance, indeed a validated chance of getting the green jersey. But it was always going to come back for a bunch sprint and it duly did. And um, yeah, it unfolded in, well, to some extent, the manner we expected, but uh, the thing that I think surprised all of us, Pete, was that it was safe because we were all kind of expecting crashes, weren't we? Because that's normally what you get. Uh, I mean, in all honesty, the whole tour's been really safe. So far. So far. We haven't had the usual sort of heart. I mean, it, let's be fair, it's easy enough to sit here and say it hasn't been stressful watching from a helicopter shot on TV. But we hadn't, we haven't sensed the the Tour de France nerves and the the sort of anxiousness and the silly crashes that happen because of that. It's been so far so good and quite straightforward for all the sprinters, all the GC contenders, and that it's great, isn't it? Because everyone's still here, everyone's still in the race, and the last thing we want is to see anyone out of the Tour de France because of a crash. No, hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent. Um, Alps and De Koenig were the team I think that everyone's looking at, weren't they? Really. Um, in terms of the, sort of the organisation of the lead-out. And it was interesting, Cadell, wasn't it, how Mark Cavendish sort of, at first, decided to put his team very much focused on what Alpes and de Koenig were doing. And he tried to pick Jasper Philipsen and Mathieu van der Poel's wheel really early on and in, in, in the run into the line. Did you notice that? Yeah, well, he, he bit off what was in the, was it three to two, uh, um, you know X for a while, didn't he? Yeah. They looked solid from, well, from a long way out at least. And then, um, what he fed on to, you know, MVP and um, and who also Van Ert was following very closely as well, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. His yeah. man Case Ball was doing a good job because he was good. there still with like 500, 600 to go still in front of Cav, which we haven't seen to date with Astana, have we? I don't think. So that was a uh, the whole team we haven't seen actually to yeah. date yeah, the way the rod they did. I've seen Cav had anyone in front of him at like 500 to go. Louis. Louis Leon Sanchez was kind of near him with 500 to go on the stage of the Giro that he won, but big turnaround for Cav. Yeah, yeah. Having support, well, he's going to win 10 stages. Well, maybe not 10, but. <laughs> but there are like, I think there are a lot of chances for the sprinters in this race. Yeah, yeah. It's a weird thing. Uh, seven. A lot to get through as well okay. in terms of mountains yeah. to get there. But I mean, for the sprint, it was David, you rode it, me and Cadal rode it. You weren't really moving, were you, from six, seven hundred no. meters to go? No, it was. I mean, I think the reason as well there weren't crashes, although it was, you had the roundabouts, you had the U-turn. The roads were super wide and beautiful, and I think perhaps just everybody was so. And it was going so fast. I think sometimes when it's that fast, there's no real changes in speed, is there? It's kind of everyone's just stuck stuck yeah exactly kind of stuck in a flat out trying to hold onto the wheel in front of them yeah flat out traffic jam kind of just going for it but yeah i mean i was surprised so when i rode it and i was on my own and it was really fast you guys were on bromptons and it felt fast yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah. i rode it i thought oh my god i'd hate to have to i'd hate to have to do this sprint because it's really hard to judge yeah but i tell you what was impressive well obviously the fact that alps and de koenig nailed it but they really, they kind of just, who was before Mathieu van der Poel? I'm not sure. That is a good question. Because he did an amazing job as well. Yeah, I haven't had time to reflect on that. It wasn't Ramon Zinkeldam who I thought it would be in the first instance. So I, yeah, I'll have to look into that. Not entirely sure who that was. That was an amazing job. That yeah, because yeah. I, I first kind of thought that was almost a Mathieu van der Poel pool. Yeah. And then Mathieu van der Poel went and it was like, oh, Jesus. 
Yeah. And it, that was it. Job done. Yeah. And Wout was up there. And Wout, I think, would have... He was. He jumped the sprint. He managed to get Philipson's wheel. He was going in with he was good going, speed he was, in yeah. the inside. He had the title line, but then he got a little bit squeezed or the the, the barrier diverged, diverted from its line, not so much the rider, but he got uh, squeezed in against the barrier and had to stop sprinting, which, well, another very close call for him. Yeah, 100%. All right, well, that's the sport done with, except for the sports um, that we did this morning. We'll come to that in a second, but here is what fueled it. Our next partner is AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it literally every day, and that's kind of helped me at the moment because we had a big day of sport today, Ned. Oh, it was a massive day of sport, David. It's a massive day of sports. Um, between us, we basically almost ran a marathon. Uh, Pete didn't help, but between me, Cadell, and you, on the Tour de France on stage three in the morning, we, we not only did two of us swim, but we also did 33 kilometers an aggregate of running. Um, but I'm completely still wedded to the AG1 routine that I kicked off, um, and it's become part of my life. Because without it, I, honestly, I, I just feel kind of um, zinging, you know, alive, better. You it's know. true. I mean, I do, and especially useful on tour like this, because don't need to carry multivitamins or different things and just getting all the foundational nutrition supplements that I need in one easy hit it's just a little scoop of powder into some water mix it super easy drink it and the jobs are good and I've been noticing definitely a difference I've been six months now uh, I haven't been this healthy in a long time now granted there's a lot of other factors but I think the fact I'm on this routine is just it does it is a foundation it's how i start the day and there are lots of benefits uh i've got energy energy it's got probiotics in it gut health yeah, general good. just well-being by the way i had no idea there were 75 vitamins in existence let alone in a sachet of green powder that we take so we're using the travel packs because we're away at the moment rather than our, our natty uh, green tins that we normally have but anyway yeah, yeah. so get on board you, get on board yeah if you want to take ownership of your health try ag1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin d and five free ag1 travel packs with your first purchase i'm going to do this bit go uh, to drinkag1.com that's all one one word essentially drinkag1.com forward slash never strays far. That's drinkag1.com forward slash never strays far. Check it out. Well, we were um, entirely, so I mentioned in that little uh, commercial break there, Cadell, that collectively, um, you, me and David have almost, well, um, run something approaching a marathon in distance, haven't we? 33 kilometers or something like that. So there was a little bit of a, a sense that you might want to go for a second run today to get us over the line and actually complete the full marathon distance on our behalf. And say we ran a marathon and at say dinner tonight. And say we ran a marathon. <laughs> what do I do? Nine, a nine kilometre run upon arrival? What time are we getting in? Ooh. Ooh. Not going to happen, is it? Is it going to happen? Oh. Don't do it to yourself, Goodell. Not, not, not feeling as motivated as I was at uh, yeah, 7.30. We're not even, not even <laughs> near the hotel yet. Oh, <laughs> if I have to. No, <laughs> don't, 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 don't do it. You don't have to. You don't have to, Goodell. You don't have to. Sorry, your phone locked up and I haven't got your code. So I don't know what the story was, but maybe you could summarize it for us, Cadell, about the um, your parental oh, background. It's, a, it's yeah. a, picture has to tell a, a picture tells a thousand words, which is absolutely yeah. no good on a podcast, is it? Yeah. All right. I'm going to get my specs on just to add to the technicalities that I'm faced with here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, right. Cadell's handed me his phone. 
uh, with a picture saying, Welcome to Catherine in that sort of brown tourist sign of a road sign in somewhere in the Northern Territories. And then underneath in sort of, you call it gold and green, don't you? Yeah, you don't call uh, it yellow and green. Um, the, the Australian or, national or, colours. I'd call a road sign yellow myself. But. Okay, road sign yellow. It says birthplace of Cadell Evans, officially printed. Look at that. Oh, no way. That's amazing. That's very good. That's a bit like Pete's gold phone box. It is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, post box. Oh, that's box. very cool. It's not phone box. It's kind of weird. And yes, we who, 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 has, who has the road yeah, sign? Who can find their road <laughs> sign on Google? Yeah, yeah, I thought good. that was kind of. It's very good. Uh, have you got any roads or buildings named after you, Cadella? Well, you got a race named after you. We discussed that yesterday. Yeah, I've got a race named after me, but that's all actually. I'm yeah. sort, of, sort of glad because I don't know. Having a, having a road or something that someone has a car accident or something and name named <laughs> afterwards, but wouldn't, wouldn't be very nice, I don't think. Talk, talking about being honoured, um, Ned and I might be getting our 20th Tour de France medal. Yeah. Which last year, Ned, kind of you qualified last year, didn't you, Ned? Yeah, it was my 20th year last year, but no one mentioned it. Yeah, and I said to you, so I thought, I genuinely thought you were kind of pretty laissez-faire cool. bigger than that no. and then when i mentioned it so i'd mentioned it in my blog my daily diary which by the way people please sign up to yep um how do they do that david uh i'll give you the link to put in the show notes now. oh it's another bit of admin i've got to do um yeah i'll do that yeah, or no just go to my social media go to my social media it'll be there at millermind at millermind yeah. um and in my first blog i mentioned that it was my 20th tour because i counted them up when i got here not thinking not chasing the medal but then I was like, geez, this is my 20th tour. Oh, wow, I get the medal. And I put that in my first blog. <laughs> and Carolyn, who's the producer of this, the ITV show. Not this podcast. Not this podcast. <laughs> Hi, Carolyn. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think Carolyn monitors us everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. She just keeps an eye. Just Don't you, Carolyn? Just an yeah. ear, just to see what we're yeah. doing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Carolyn, just a gentle reminder as well that please do pursue this. But so she read my blog and then contacted, has contacted the ASO organization to let them know that Ned and I uh, are ready to accept our 20th medal. So anyway, I told Ned this this morning. And oh, no, I didn't because you, you read it because you sent an email to both Ned and I. And I said, I thought you, you weren't that bothered about it. Yeah. And well, you were like, oh no. Oh no. This will be your second time doing a speech in French though, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, the I, Tour have, de France. I have. In, <laughs> yeah, right. 2016, 2017, I made it. I think it's 2016. I made a speech at a barbecue at which uh, a lot of the French Cycling Federation were celebrating something or other. Um, I, I don't know quite. Know. It might be Bastille there? Day. I think um, it's like Pascal well, Chanteur's house. Richard, wasn't it? Yeah. Richard Veronk. Well, Richard Veronk was the star name. Yes. Um, I, I, I'm le quite late on in the evening, I decided that I was a completely uninvited guest. No one had the faintest idea who I was. I decided I'd, uh, I'd get up and call everyone to order and make a little speech. Quite an emotional speech about how much the Tour de France. It was an emotional me, speech, no? Um, in French. And I think it was, broadly speaking, well received. But yeah, again. You're I, quite upset to leave as well, weren't you? I was quite, I was quite <laughs> upset to leave. I was enjoying myself. Um, I think it was something to do with the fact that I couldn't get an, an Uber into the Bergerac countryside to pick me up as it was past midnight. I was surprised by that because I'm a Londoner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that got emotional as well. I was, I was very emotional when no Uber appeared. Um, unfortunately, I want to go uh, home one, now. One of the guests uh, appeared at the yeah. and drove us home. Sorry, while we're on emotions, and it's not a segue, which is which David is very good at on podcasts. This is more of like a completely change of direction from what Cadell said when he entered the, the commentary booth today about us all being brothers. 
Yeah, Cadell, you I got quite emotional. To- I was quite lovely. touched there, Cadell. Yeah. Oh, you got quite emotional, Cadell. Well, it's not like me to like be off somewhere on my own and like, oh, I've got to go and search for company. Which company do I like here at the Tour de France? Us. Uh, yeah, and I've been like, I'm an only child, so, you know, I don't know what it's like to have brothers. Well, I have two boys now, and I'm, I'm learning what it's like to be brothers. They they hit each other a lot and poke each other in the eyes. Yeah, but we're not like that. We don't. No, no. No, no. Which is probably why I like being with you, brothers, rather than my yeah, little boys. Brothers. Little family, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we're, also, we're also a weird kind of family, Cadell, as well, because there's a, there's a, you know, cause a substantial age gap between me and Pete, and David kind of sits in the middle. And there's, there's just the three of us that host this podcast series, and the number three is very important to us. And mm. it's quite interesting that Pete is a DS on the, the, the team Trinity as well, which obviously stands for, you know, the, the three deity, well, the three sort of elements of the Godhead. Um, I am very much the, the, the father. Um, Pete is a son and, and David is a Holy Ghost. And, it, and it, it's evolved and in, in more ways than one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. Bye. The roles switch sometimes, I think, between our family or brothers. Yeah, well, like, I so, sat down at the table today waiting to go on air, and and and, and, and Brother Pete it bought me some toothpaste Brother and some Pete. pistachios. <laughs> <laughs> Brother Pete! Brother Pete! Brother I love Pete, it. Brother David and Brother Ned. Yeah. Well, Brother well, Cadell. Well, yeah. really, that was really nice of you, because someone was so stupid that when they were looking in a rush when you guys dropped me in, and waited outside the convenience store the other day. My suitcase still hasn't arrived from That's unbelievable, <laughs> a, a one hour direct What's flight. That? Did you lose your suitcase? <laughs> <laughs> That's unfair, Pete. If you I'm joking, I'm just winding the brother up. Oh yeah, brother true. brothers can do that. You yeah, they can. It's like flicking his ear now. I don't want yeah. to segue or Brompton away from the subject, but I needed to <laughs> Very good. And I was in a rush and I bought um, dental fixture paste. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but mistake, only thinking I'm traveling, I'll buy the smallest tube, but of course I didn't read it. So, have you, yeah, brilliant. So my, that's why my toothbrush is still stuck in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lunch was good today, wasn't it? That was, um, yeah, segue into lunch. every day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Segway to lunch, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Simple but effective, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. Um, your, your guys' metabolisms are on fire, though, after all the sport. Yeah. So. We outlined the sport. I got up at seven and I did an out and back run to the hotel. Uh, Cadell just ran away from the hotel to the sea. With no phone. With no phone and no <laughs> way of contacting us. Some obscure messages and maps popped up in our WhatsApp group and the vague hope that we might pick him up eventually. I, I run away from my phone. Is that's, that's probably the point of my, of my closet running yeah, habit. Very important to do that. I came back to the hotel sweaty and sat there having breakfast with the rest of the crew. And David was there wearing his planche de belle fille kind of a plank attack, uh, basically um, a running kit but not actually running, and that was the funny thing. And then he disappeared for a bit and came back and did some more eating. It took him so drinking. long to go <laughs> running, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and then we got me, Pete, and David. Like it's now or never, David. <laughs> got in the car to drive to the beach. Uh, went to the beach, couldn't find Cadell, uh, brother Cadell, at all. Because, uh, well, I don't know, brother Cadell didn't have his phone with him. Also, the best part about David. <laughs> I, I, I was seven minutes Sorry. late. I said I'd be there at nine, and I yeah. sort of took some wrong turns and found a nice path through the forest. Lovely. Which was really nice. But I did find the car, which I found really reassuring. And <clears throat> I love the way, sorry. Like, luckily, we've got the accreditation on it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have picked down. I'd pick, pick up a Citroen uh, rental minivan in a car park <laughs> at a holiday destination. <laughs> sorry, I just wanted to quickly touch on David's running again. 
because we were walking to the wall to the cafe and he, he, he sometimes randomly does this. He says, Pete, why do I get a stitch when I'm running? And I'm like, oh, David, I'm, <laughs> I didn't go to university. Like, I, just, <laughs> I have no idea. He sits down, orders like the biggest latte <laughs> cappuccino, cappuccino yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> with like chocolate all over it. And he was literally about to start his 12K run. It's normally something to do with indigestion. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that's what I do. <laughs> and then he was gonna, we were gonna then take the car back from the beach and um, we were going to drive back. Cadell had definitely done his sport. You and I had been in the sea as well. And Cadell also, brother Cadell, got in the ocean. Um, and brother David, uh, at that point, <laughs> brother David decided that he wanted to uh, run back. But my God, did you prevaricate, David? Oh, well, oh, we had, forever, I had time. We? And I just like to drag it out. I like to think about it a lot before I do it. Then on the way back, Brother Cadell wanted to buy a new suitcase. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we had to do a I little new turn. Brother, did you? Brother Cadell got... I've got toothpaste to put in it now. <laughs> Brother Cadell actually was really polite about it. He was sat in the back. He's very polite. And he was, you know, to Father Ned. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, we've just passed a shop. Do you think I can, you know, stop and buy a suitcase? And Ned was in a bit of a hurry because he likes to get to the start, to the finish, to watch the Five start. Five hours before. Five hours before. Yeah. And I could see Ned was getting a tiny bit, sort no, of like, want to get back. No, a little, no, a little no, bit. It's fine, no. Ned. We're all brothers here. <laughs> <laughs> so we did a, we did a U-turn. Brother uh, Cadal came out with a lovely... Quicksilver. Um, it was Quicksilver. Rip curl? Oh, no? good. Quicksilver. Nice. Quicksilver. Yeah. On brand. Well, yeah. uh, after I, I knew Ned was getting nervous because he wanted to get to the start, like, five hours before necessary. So I just <laughs> bought the first and only bag I saw in there. Oh, I'm so sorry. How much did you pay? Oh, it was 40% reduced, 78 euros. I, I mean, Brother Cadell, you had to up your game from the toothpaste um, <laughs> shop, didn't you? Like 40 minutes to buy. To not buy what you needed. To not buy what you needed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, last time I went in. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> like, where's Cadell? <laughs> <laughs> Brother Cadell's lost. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I went into a supermarket and failed, Father, <laughs> and forgot what he'd gone in there for. Oh, please forgive me. I need to repent <laughs> my sins. <laughs> I bought them to your yeah. but, oh, I'm sure there'll be a use for them somewhere repairing this car as it falls apart. <laughs> it's, in, it's a picture in my hotel room. <clears throat> rubbish bin now. Yeah. I was so embarrassed with it and angry at myself for doing such a... Oh, let it go. Stupid. Oh, it's okay. okay. Move can, on. Forgive yourself. Let it go. Oh. Maybe we can repair the microphone with it. Yeah. <laughs> and Pete, you got to see Beeritz for the first time last night. Oh, yeah. Oh, Beeritz. What a place. Isn't it lovely? And yeah. it's funny because we were talking about your friend, your lovely friend, Vincent. Vin yeah. Um, and I was kind of joking about, yeah, David, you lived in Beeritz 20 years ago. Like, is this guy still. <laughs> but he's actually. Yeah, will he, he was still quite even cool. Remember he, you or, yeah, yeah, and he was. Lovely, took us to an amazing restaurant. Beautiful evening. Oh, how good was the yeah. food? How good was that ham? Uh, and everyone there's smiling and happy, which it's was a really nice vibe, isn't oh, it? it was yeah. Awesome. Uh, uh, you, you and David ordered. Brother David ordered the um this <laughs> this enormous bit of dead cow. <laughs> oh, that uh, was good. Either, like they'd obviously just hacked an animal to death and then like hung it and then brought a large section of it out. And you know, you used knives and forks in as much as you could. And when everyone yeah. thought it was done, Cadell picked up the biggest animal bone I've ever seen served in a restaurant and just absolutely gnawed at it. It was quite extraordinary. It was a bit Flintstone-ish. Very, but effective. Yeah. Effective. Yeah, Beeritz. How was it to go back to Beeritz, David? You it was it? actually lovely. I mean, so many memories. I could do a guided tour there and just oh, go on for amazing. a long time, the wouldn't it? Of the stories.
Well, but, we, um, had, we did a little, little bits, hints, touching, little touching moments. But no, it was really nice. And I think what was really nice about it is changed so much. And I think I kind of preferred it when I was there, which is probably just nostalgia. But it has got so wealthy now. And, and with that, it's kind of lost part of its charm. Whereas before it was kind of had this nice mix of kind of surf culture, you know, surfers could afford to hang out there. And then you had the kind of the old Parisian chic, whereas now it's just everybody seems to be, has to be pretty wealthy to be there, to visit, but to live there, you have to be rich because by the sounds of it, property has gone through the roof. Yeah, what your good friend was saying about property prices there. It's, yeah, like, it's well, more than Paris now. Yeah, so and it, so that was kind of good because you're kind of like, oh, I'm glad I don't live here or I didn't end up staying here. Or, at least you'd hang on to your house, though. Yeah, yeah, I should hang on to my house. But, but yeah. Where we swam this morning, that was pretty cool. Anglet, yeah, that's Which is a lovely place as well. Slightly... Well, it's just left that's kind of more on the coast. Yeah, it's like just north, the next north, village sorry. up. Lots of you're not allowed to swim in. Surfing. But then you get in and see the current, and I'm from like Australia and not far from Torquay, the birthplace of Rib Curl. Those currents were pretty strong. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's not a sandy beach, Anglet, is it? It's kind of... Stony. Yeah, little, little tiny nice. pebbles, and you're kind of wading in, as Pete and I did, and all of a sudden, the, the bed of pebbles that you're standing on just disappears from under your feet mm-hmm. as they get ripped out into the sea again and churned around. It's really exceptional. I've never been in a sea like that. Ned actually. was like a 13-year-old kid just getting, like, Brother Ned. Tossed, ba- Brother Ned <laughs> tossed back yeah. in towards the beach and just, like, <laughs> flopping <laughs> on his belly. I honestly, I honestly, uh, well, both of us really, when we finally got Brother out. Brother Ned. When we finally got out, Brother Pete. It felt like it yeah. felt like um, we'd been shipwrecked. <laughs> it looked like it. it, 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 it looked like, like it as well. Like our hair, because we both got quite long hair in different styles, but it was plastered to our sort of foreheads, wasn't it? It looked ridiculous. <laughs> and um, and we, yeah, it, like we'd been at sea and kind of like swimming to shore for an entire day, and we just about made it. Just found land. Just found land. <laughs> for like, <laughs> like Robinson for days. Like. <laughs> we'd only been in the sea for about ten minutes. Brilliant, those yeah. guys. <laughs> It Glad we did it though, but you pointed out that's the last time we see the sea now. That's it, yeah. it's gone. It's done. Yeah, it's done. Sea done. Devastated. Yeah. So, we, so we're talking now about some freshwater aquatic behaviour. Yeah. Um, which... Gorge walking. Oh, actually, I've got a question for Cadell. What is your opinion on mountains? What vibe do you get in mountains? Um, I love mountains. Ah. I'm, like, I live by the sea in Australia, which is a great place where I live but I seek out the mountains. Weird. Nice. Weird. Maybe that's how you win the Tour de France. Yeah. I, oh. I hate the mountains. I feel that, well, I don't hate them. I just find them claustrophobic and kind of, yeah, I used threatening. to be like Cadella yeah. five yeah. years ago. But like for me, if we're going on holidays in August, it's like, well, especially in Italy, say, where I think I'm going to be, would I like to go to the sea with a million other people? No. Um, would I like to go up to the mountains to a quiet place and just hide in the forest? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I get that. What about the living in the mountains thing, though? Um, yeah, so having said that... Um, uh... Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Just just purchased a house which is kind of in the mountains, and oh. I'm really looking forward to it because I'm getting away from traffic and flat. But it's I suppose it's yeah it's in the mountains, but it's more escaping the the noise and the busyness that that I that appeals to me in that sense. And but that's what I think I like about the mountains is the peace and quiet because I do like the the ocean. But in Europe, the ocean is very crowded. <clears throat> When I when I'm at home in Australia yeah. and I'm running on the beach at nine o'clock in the morning or six o'clock in the morning at sunrise and there's no one on the beach, that to me that's that's bliss. Brother Ned, <laughs> you know how your mood changes when we go to the Alps. I get angry. Oh, what is there any effect when we go to the Pyrenees? I'd much prefer the Pyrenees. Yeah, We've me often too. reflected on this, but um, I think this is a bit of a mental block. Yeah. I, it's completely. I will confess, my perception of the big mountain ranges of France is entirely coloured by the fact that the only time I go there is during the Tour de France. Yeah. Pretty much, you know. And so it's mayhem in the mountains, isn't it? More so in the Alps than in the Pyrenees. But nonetheless, it is mayhem. So look at look at. We're on this little transfer now um, from Bayonne to Po. It's only an hour's drive. And it's actually the motorways are relatively calm. It's kind of pretty empty, and the whole Tour de France disperses very simply from a very quickly, very quickly well. from a place like Bayonne. Not so when we get into the, the Pyrenees, and I think it's just that. It's just, but also the idea that if you live in a, you know, high up in the mountains, two thousand meters in one of these little resorts or something, or near a resort, everything you do, everything you want to do, involves getting in a car and driving for half an hour down a series of switchbacks and then back up them. And I find that, and you're hemmed in by, so the, the views are amazing, but they're sometimes quite claustrophobic. And uh, I think they're great to visit, but maybe not to live in. That's my personal take. And also, I sometimes find, because entire massive tourist industries have grown up, in fact, that's sometimes all there is, is tourist industry. Um, I find them slightly unreal in that the, the populations are a little bit uh resentful of the tourists but dependent on the tourists and um half the population ships out in the winter and the, you know other seasons so they're, they're, they're slightly odd they're not they don't feel like real places sometimes though. My, but they are my fiance is from yeah, they are. cortina born and bred in cortina di ampezzo oh, lovely. the giro d'italia passed through there this year uh stage that was when finished on uh, treci melavedo but um, <clears throat> one thing with the mountains in a place like that, it's quite a large town. But yeah, like you say, they, they do depend on the tourists. Um, and when you're there out of the season, it's calm and tranquil and you can go to the supermarket and you can find a car park. But in the tourist season, it's pretty stressful. You can't go to your own supermarket and buy nappies as normally what I find myself <laughs> doing in the summer, high, high of the, the summer The right size season, nappies, the are, that's a problem. It's like yeah, nappies or, are fine, but it's like, is it four, five, six? Park to be nearby. But I have to say, <laughs> people, yeah, like no, knowing and living with people who are from the mountains, they're, they're certainly not resentful because they understand that they live on them. But when your own town sort of gets in vain, mm. not in vain, but overrun by mm. tourists, it's it's, it is a bit frustrating. One thing I, I would say, though, the people from the mountains, because it's so cold, things are quite t- 
tough in the winter and it's mm. minus 20 degrees and Crikey. anything you have to do involves walking up or down steep gradients <laughs> they're, they're, they're pretty tough people they're fit people but they're also very respectful and look after each other because because they live in these sort of tougher conditions Trechime is one of the most extraordinarily beautiful places I've ever been in, in the world Cadell isn't it it's for anyone who's not been there it's off the scale oh, if I, I think the most beautiful mountains in in europe are the dolomites yeah and that's trechimi leveredo and 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 that whole area around there and other than well same here here's i'm a mountains person other than the traffic i I love riding (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a good point there's no better riding than in the mountains you can't beat it on a bike the coast doesn't come close except in the middle of summer where there's just people going everywhere and campers and motorbikes. But I mean, in terms of just the exploration and... Yeah, like a Val Gardena, a friend of mine just rode it a couple of days when I was there just the other week. And, um, and to me, that's probably the most spectacular climb in Europe, I think. Possibly the most beautiful <clears throat> Val Gardena, Sella uh, Ronda. Okay, well... Yeah, got another sprint day tomorrow. Getting away from the mountains, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. That was a good day today. Did, it, did we all enjoy ourselves? Yes, we did. Excellent. Cadell's slow in answering. Um, oh, we've had three days of this tour, which have been uncharacteristic for the first week of the tour. And you, you referred to this at the start of the podcast, but it's been well. Of course, Pete on TV, it doesn't sound stressful. I did hear Philipson say in the um, TV that um, in the post-stage in- interview that. Um, it started getting stressful at 70 kilometres to go. But it seems so, like, there's no big pile-ups. And, but then it's been relatively calm. And then we've just had these awesome, like, the last five, ten minutes of each three days has just been incredible. <clears throat> An enormous, fantastic crescendo. And I think now, I don't know, the stage starting in, in France tomorrow, is that going to change? No. I don't think so. I'll tell you what won't change, Cadell, is you've got a new family, mate. You have. Yeah, you have. You've got a new yeah, family. Welcome, brother Cadell. Welcome, brother Cadell. Welcome, bro- brother Ned, brother David, brother Cadell. Brother Blessed Pete, brother be Ned. the fruit. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 